Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three cr.org.au and on demand. Out of the pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender, and broadcasting from the lands of the original inhabitants and paying respects to elders past and present, including our LGBTI elders, who in turn include sister girls and brother boys acknowledging their unique contributions to diversity and intersectionality on and around our land. Well, a packed program today, um, and opened up, I know it's always controversial to say best song ever, but that might be mine, and it's The Eagles, um, a Don Henley track from one of the four new ones off their Hell Freezes Over album in 1994, Learn To Be Still, which will be something we're going to talk about a little later in the program, in terms of our second segment, but right now, I've got to introduce a guest, um, to talk about non-binary genders um, and their own experience thereof. Charlie, welcome to 3CR. Aloha, Sally. Very much aloha. We're going to be... Well, um, there's a, a mystery comment um, along <laughs> with the mention of learning to be still, um, in a sense, um, which we'll find out more about shortly. Um, Charlie, as I say, welcome to 3CR. And I should add for our listeners, lots of ways to get in touch with the program. Out of the pan, 855 at gmail.com. Text in 61. 61- 401-078-981. Look for me on Facebook, um, both Sally Goldner and Out of the Pants page, or tweet at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. So maybe you might have a question that we might want to ask Charlie, but Charlie, you've had, a rel- very relevant to this show, part of a very interesting life, a journey in gender. Um, and we wanted to talk about that first naturally on the show like that. I'm just trying to think... Where to start? I mean, maybe I'll just let you dive in perhaps and um, tell it in your own words. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I should acknowledge from the beginning that my journey with gender, um, I don't propose is the same as anybody else's journey with gender. Yeah. So I also have to acknowledge that I very much speak from a privileged position of being cisgendered female and I don't feel incongruent with my body um, and I understand that a lot of people do and Mm -hmm. I don't have that experience of gender dysphoria. Um, But I do identify as gender non-binary and the reason I identify as such is more that I don't identify with the prescribed 
gender boxes that society mm. places on people because of its limitations for so many people. Um, and I have never identified with any boxes in my life, including with sexuality. Oh. So I feel um, constrained by thinking that, uh, that I'm in one box. So, <clears throat> you know, I've been on a journey of understanding this in myself, um, in my life. And in the last few years, understanding in society and language in society has developed to the point that mm. I feel I'm able to share that more with people. And so identifying as gender non-binary is a way of, I suppose, educating people around that for me. Um, but it's not necessarily the most um, comfortable way of describing myself. Okay. I, I haven't yet found that. Mm. Yeah, the most comfortable, I guess, at this point in time would be human. Yeah. <laughs> that, not, that's a good way to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you talk, you know, talk, um, dare I say, think you're thinking um, outside the box and all the boxes, which is a fair point. You know, um, it's you no, know, it's, it's a contradiction or a paradox. I think is a better sorry is a better word where we, in one sense, need labels to connect. To some extent, you touched on this, the movement of language and the discourse, but on the other hand, you know, they're not all we are; they're components, but. You know, underneath we're a human, we're a soul. Yes. Yeah. So can I just put thing, you know, things into perspective? Um, and no obligation to answer this one. Rough, your rough age range. Yeah, I'm 38. 38. So, yeah, that's a bit of journey time where, you know, you've felt that there hasn't been quite something to connect with. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, brings up issues of how things went for you as in terms of, say, school or other things as well. You know, was that... Were you, did you were you forced to fit expectations about gender identity and gender and or gender expression? I suppose. Yeah, I feel like I I'm very lucky with that journey because I was parented in a way um, that very much came from a perspective of not being boxed with gender. Cool. Yeah, and my mum, since I've you know had these conversations with her in the last few years, she said that she actually identifies as non-binary as well. Wow. So yeah, so she cool. brought me up in that way. I feel incredibly lucky, and so I didn't feel constrained, um, you know, as a child. But then, as I grew up and I was expected to fit into boxes of gender and sexuality, I never felt that I quite fitted in any of those boxes, mm. and there wasn't the language for me to express that. Um, but I also felt fairly okay with not fitting in because what I, from what I saw, I didn't particularly want to fit into what I saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, there's so much awesomeness in there. It brings home yet again the, the thing of supportive parents for as much as we don't want to use labels, generally speaking, we'll say LGBTI-ish um, yeah. or LGBTI poly plus, all that sort of thing. And I've got to say, you're actually the first person I've ever spoken to directly who has identified, we'll say now in some ways, non-binary and had um, that support so early on. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've heard of lots of binary trans. You know, we see the stories on Insight and Four Corners and those sort of things, which is great. But that's awesome. And um, also, wow, um, generational 
Yeah, it's quite amazing. I feel very, very privileged. And I absolutely know that if I had different parenting, that it would have been an incredibly different experience for me growing up. And I really feel for people who don't have supportive parents and feel for people who experience gender dysphoria and feel for people who don't feel that they fit into the boxes and don't feel understood. And I'm very, very passionate about helping to provide spaces where people do feel supported. Yeah, it's so important. And look, um, I'm thinking um, of where Transgender Victoria, with which I'm involved, has its office at Drummond Street Services, and they are a leading sort of relationships, including family relationship service. And it might sound incredibly obvious, but for again, you know, for again, rainbowish children, um, the parental support thing is often the make or break, unequivocally. Yeah. And yeah, look, it. I've got to say, I mean, I've known you now for about nine, where are we, eight months or so, six to eight months, and the sense of calm and peace that comes across, and I, I was thinking also once we, you know, we get to a better point in these things regardless of labels or none at all, thinking of interviewing Jordan a couple of weeks ago from Axis of Awesome who just sounded much, very peaceful now in terms of her gender. It must make such a difference, mm. you know, to, to have that sense of contentedness. Mm. Yeah. So... It's a really important thing to have um, that sense of contentedness. Um, well, I'll tune into Don Henley and the Eagles again to to be still, um, and I think that having that energy helps you um, do something that is very important to you in terms of part of your work. So we're going. I'm going to tease our listeners, <laughs> and we'll come back and have a discussion of that after I play about the only track I could find in a hurry with any remotely pedal steel. There's another tease. Um, here's Paul Kelly and the Stormwater Boys from their 2005 album, um, Foggy Highway, and a version of Paul's Don't Stand So Close to the Window. 3CR, 855 AM, digital, 3cr.org.au. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Charlie. It's hip-hop, blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into. 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you. You're with Music Sans Frontieres, music from around Australia and around the world. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. You're listening to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM. Music matters on 3CR, 12 noon every Friday... Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 9419 8377. The newspaper shout, a new style is Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email Info at by-alliance.org. 3CR, 855am, digital3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. And um, prior to the messages, heard from Paul Kelly and the Stormwater Boys from Don't Stand... from, well, the track was Don't Stand So Close to the Window, and that's from the Foggy Highway album. Well, um... Stop hinting, Sally. 
Why did we play something with a bit of pedal steel, which was the closest I could find to something Hawaiian? Why did we play Learn to Be Still? Because you have a very passionate area of expertise with which you're involved, which I think really fits into gender. Well, tell us why. Tell us why. Low me, low me massage. Mm, thanks, Sally, for the opportunity to share. And because I'm going to be speaking about low me, low me Hawaiian massage and a bit of my experience with it, I need to give respect and thanks, aloha and mahalo to the kupuna, the ancestors of Hawaii. Beautiful. And I also need to give thanks to all of the kumu, the teachers that I've had in Hawaii, and for their generous sharing of their knowledge. Beautifully put, yes. Um, you know, acknowledge our shared, shared information across cultures for sure. Mm-hmm. So, it might sound a silly question, but can you perhaps give an? Um, let's start with people going loamy loamy. Um, no, it's a massage. It's it's not a cheese. Or that's a vati. No, seriously. <laughs> um, can you perhaps just start by defining what lomi lomi is and maybe how it compares and contrasts to maybe other forms of massage? Sure. So lomi lomi is a traditional Hawaiian massage. It incorporates long flowing strokes on top of and underneath the body and it aims to deeply relax a person so that things can shift as they need to. It's a very nurturing massage and it's literally about lifting the vibration of the receiver so that things can align. Okay then. Yeah. So it's... Um, you know, sort of, um, you know, flowing. Um, I just brought up the Wikipedia entry um, here says, Lomi means to, quote, to knead, to rub or soothe, to work in and out as the paws of a contented cat. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I can see that. And I have to say, for once I tried one of these novel concepts in radio, I did some research for the show to our listeners <laughs> and um, had a, an hour and a half session with you during the week paid no cash for comments here no john laws thank you very much mm-hmm. and i've got to say it what that's um you know that um definition and yours um both fit perfectly um long flowing strokes but also um yes the paws of a contented cat said this crazy cat lady that's got to be good mm-hmm. but how how did you end up how did you sort of wander your way into um being a practitioner in lomi lomi Oh, that's a big, long story. Um, Well, I won't share all of it on radio, (laughs) but my journey with that did start 13 years ago, so it was quite a while ago now. Um, I basically felt at a loss for what my purpose was in life, and I asked the universe to tell me what I was meant to be doing. Fantabulous. And I got very clearly that I was meant to be doing massage. I'd never thought about it consciously before, so it was quite a surprise. So then I went on a bit of a journey of trying to figure out what kind of massage I needed to do. And I came across Hawaiian massage. I received one for the first time, spent the whole massage in tears because I felt like I'd come home and I knew that's what I was meant to do. And basically since then, I've done all of the training courses that I could um, participate in in Australia. Then when I couldn't learn any more here, I went to Hawaii and trained with several elders over there. And within four years of um, practicing Lomi Lomi, I was given permission by a very respected Hawaiian elder to start teaching and sharing my knowledge, which was quite quick. (laughs) I was surprised at how fast that journey was. Um, But, yeah, it's felt very right and I felt incredibly honoured to share the journey with people and to inspire them with Lomi Lomi. That's... Line with massage, I'm just going to let someone write that. But I just think that that is incredible when you find a calling 
and it goes, it, you know, it, it would be totally natural that it could seem like a quick time, um, even though, of course, anyone in any field, you know, is still learning, oh, I'm still learning gender, don't worry about that. Mm. Um, you know, that, that, but it's, it must have been right. It was just obviously meant to be. Yeah, the universe has conspired to support me on this journey because I'm, I'm living my, my purpose. And every time I give a Lomi Lomi, I feel that and I'm so grateful. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it comes across in the sort of peaceful energy that you project. And, you know, so many people don't get a chance or maybe don't get a chance or don't find out what their purpose is, feel like they, you know, still have to appease other people's purposes and paths, mm. all that sort of stuff. And so that energy, you know, gosh, um, to have that, you know, do you, do you get moments during when you are giving a massage mm. where, you, where you can feel it flowing and just sort of feel inside yourself for a, sec, for a second or two? Wow. You know, um, does it, you know, it's still happening that way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm blown away every time. You know, I get paid to give people unconditional love. We don't have enough of at times in this planet. Yeah. And we, yeah, um, let's take as much as we can get. And in terms of conspiracy um, with the universe, it sounds like a benign conspiracy to me, so <laughs> we can um, run with that. So, um, you know, if people, you know, you know we, we gave a couple of definitions, maybe let's go into a little more depth, drill down to the next level of detail of what would happen if people came and did a session of Lomi Lomi, both in terms of pre, during and after, um, how would that, what, you know, a few thoughts on what that might look like and feel and feel like? Mm. Well, it's different when you go to different practitioners, of course, because they bring their own energy um, and experience to it. Um, but with me, I offer 90-minute sessions and I have a little chat with people beforehand about what they're feeling, what's going on for them. Um, ideally, we have um, time and space before and afterwards to do that more. Your session was a little bit rushed, yes. <laughs> unfortunately. Cause Damn of, it. Yeah. <laughs> Something was holding you up. I can't remember what it was. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very much about it's very much about seeing someone, hearing them and holding them in an unconditionally loving mm. space and supporting their body to be able to let go so that things can shift. Um, yeah. Yep. Oh, look, um, that's, um, you know, that, that's, you know, just a really good process, particularly beforehand and during and just letting it shift. And it's a very, you know, it's a very still process, isn't it? A very quiet, um, Mm. winding down sort of process for the receiver too. It is. And I think it's so important these days because, you know, our lives can be so busy and fast. Yeah, you know, it's really important to have that rem- that that um, palpable reminder of stillness, so that we can connect back into that place. To- well, yeah, I'll say totally agree, and with possibly some degree of dry humour and irony in saying totally agree. And you know, we get that sometimes that we just you know um, get stuck, um, you know, on on the treadmill, so to speak. I need to play. Don Henley's song, I think, every night before I go to bed to get it into my subconscious mm-hmm. sometimes. But it is a really um, powerful force. Um, perhaps just um, people have had other forms of massage. Does it, we'll say, compare and contrast to the best of your knowledge um, from your, we'll say, particular perspective to other forms? I've had a lot of other massages and I can't say that it compares to anything else. Wow. Yeah, they're they're all different, you know, and and every style I think has its place, 
um, at a particular time for people. Yep. But, yeah, Lomi Lomi, it's, it's entirely different. I know for me when I'm feeling out of alignment, if I have a Lomi Lomi from an authentic practitioner, it always just re-centres me and clears things. Mm. Mm. Which is, you know, which is you know, what we need to um, get, be grounded again. And I'm, I, I'm sorry, but I have to keep coming back to Don mm. Henley's song, How Do I Get Out of Here? Where Do I Fit In? You know, I think I love those two lines often. Sadly, we're not so grounded. And when we know that we are where we need to be and we do fit in, we're grounded and we're back in this. So anything that gets us back there, yeah, mm. is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Now, the, 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 the big big bit here in line with your, um, you know, now wanting to offer your learning, you're doing just that. I am. So I'll be teaching a course in Melbourne next month from the 19th to the 22nd of May at Pulse Studios in Brunswick. And I'm particularly excited about this course because I haven't taught for five years because I've been dedicated to the journey of single parenting. Now my child's at school and I have more energy and time to be able to start teaching again. Um, So, yeah, I'm teaching this course and the reason that I'm on here today talking about it is because I'm very passionate about providing a space that is gender inclusive, Mm. not only for participants of the course, but because participants will be going out and doing body work on other people. And so for me, it's imperative that they go out into the world with the knowledge and understanding of gender diversity. Yeah. Because, you know, look, some people might be listening going, oh, but a body's a body. No, everyone's experience. You know, gender does come into things for people when it comes to um, massage, touch, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. But so, um, you know, as a practitioner to be able to just adapt, fine-tune something, you know, individual client service, every client is, is, the, is, there a, is, the, is the only client at the time. That's right. Really important. So I think it's really cool that... You've got, you know, people might have said halfway through this interview, um, you know, during the, the the track, how do we connect the two bits of this interview together? We just did, which is so integrated that all of your, you know, skills and attributes come into everything is amazing. And I, one thought that's just come out of a bit, a bit of left field, mm-hmm. having a child, does that added, does that added anything to um, your practice? No, just a, a long to shot. my practice. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice question. I feel like it has. I feel like it's deepened my capacity to hold a space of unconditional love. Sensational. Yeah. All right. So, um, if people want to get in touch with you um, and either book a session or get into your course and learn, how do they do that? What's the best ways? Well, they could call me um, on zero four two one. Two four two four six seven, or they could um, contact me through my website, which is www.alohamia.com. So that's spelled A L O H A M I A dot com. Fantastic, and you can go from there. And if people forget all that, just message me, and I can put you either pass on the details. That's probably the best thing to do. Thanks, Sally. And I should also um, say that I live in Lismore, northern New South Wales, in Northern Rivers, so that's usually where I'm giving sessions from. Occasionally I come to Melbourne and work, um, and that's why I'm here at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you're spreading the word, which I suppose um, very, very quickly um, leads me to ask of the, we'll call it the 
the rainbowish community in Northern Rivers, which, um, you know, tropical fruits every mm. year seems to be um, a little, well, to use a, a bad tropical pun, a bit of an oasis um, oh, up there. It is. It's, yeah. It, I feel there's such a beautiful bubble there. I love it and I miss it when I'm outside of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, look, it's it's a big thing, you know, um, in a discussion we're having off air, you know, you're saying that cities are a bit of a struggle in some in some senses for you. For yeah. me, I find them quite overwhelming these days, yeah. Yep. No, well, look, I'm getting the same even Melbourne, which is relatively, you know, medium-paced, so to speak. Um, I'm being to find that a bit um, much at times. So. Mm. So, yeah, well, my lot- my lottery numbers will come up. I'll join you up in the Northern Rivers, maybe. Well, we will be there waiting with open arms for you. <laughs> Calls. All right, Charlie, look, thank you so much for coming in. Um, it's a pleasure. It's been thank a pleasure you. to have a chat with you, um, hear about um, your thoughts on gender and lonely. I mean, of course, Hawaii and the whole Polynesian islands are very much, you know, um, you know, um, and Oceania, Oceania, sorry, so much um, a part of gender diversity with the many cultures um, that are supportive of it there. So it just, gosh, it's just perfect fit stuff, mm. which is a great way to be. So true. All right. Th- thank you, um, Charlie, for coming in to 3CR to um, have a chat about gender and Lomi Lomi and how it all fits together. Thank you for having me on air. Okay then, 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. 3CR and the Beatles, of course, from the Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album and on Out of the Pan, playing pansexual, we could say an allied music, um, because of course, in some not so good news, the last few weeks have seen some horrendous anti-trans and to a fair extent anti-LGBTI laws. Um, brought in in the state of North Carolina in the USA and got to hand it to the people who have responded. And one of them, of course, was Ringo Starr, who cancelled a concert there. So in terms of being a friend, we got by with a little help from our friends because he took a stand. And I was thinking a lot in the last couple of days, um, I think John Lennon probably would have approved of that stance um, had he still been here as well. Um, So... Yep. Gosh, the Beatles. Um, the um, old ch- this old um, person um, just, um, yeah, loves what they do. Now, I wanted to play that song because, um, well, we just got all relaxed and still, but unfortunately um, have to talk about something that is coming up yet again. Um, it's lateral violence or lateral hostility, as it's called, where communities perhaps turn on one another, and um, what I'm going to call related um, cousins of lateral hostility, privilege, and also, um, you know, sort of um, erasure, which in a way I think often cross over. And I'll tell, tell you why I've brought this up now, this week, but I wanted to actually, I want to say first of all what it isn't. There's been two um, examples of lateral hostility um, during the week. One is the obvious public one, given that Jermaine Greer, everyone's favourite, is a lesbian, you know, and she's made some, again, some transphobic remarks on Q&A. Yes, that's one. Don't even want to go into that. That's not where I'm at. Um, And then there was one which was sort of public. Um, Graham Willett, who's well known through his work with the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives, wrote an article 
on trans and gender diverse and people some people were upset with some of the terminology and that situation crosses into what I want to talk about but it's not that one either um, I've become concerned that okay sure I'm heavily involved in the LGBTI community and these comments are all definitely as an individual but it is part of my roles um, with Transgender Victoria and Bisexual Alliance Victoria I often go to conferences and um, so-called LGBTI meetings. And sadly, um, you know, uh, something happened this week that made me start thinking about are these spaces safe? And sadly, I came up with six examples in two years of where they weren't, where there was some degree of privilege, lateral hostility, and all the rest. I'm going to keep this as de-identified as possible apart from bits that I think would be public and identifiable and have probably been talked and I have talked about a couple of things on um, this show. So let's go back for these six examples or so in two years. 2014 Safe Schools Symposium where all throughout the first part of the day people were constantly referring to ladies and gentlemen. Now, the, like everyone, we all have a choice on what we do and how we do it. And I believe, I haven't seen all the conversation, one of the things with the Graham Willett scenario this week is people responded with some degree of intensity and Graham felt triggered. He has a right to his feelings. The people who felt triggered and if they thought that Graham's comments were inaccurate had a right to their, their feelings. But it's how we respond. And I bring that up because at the Safe Schools Symposium in 2014 where there was this use of ladies and gentlemen, I did what I would have proactively and professionally thought was the right thing quietly talk to a senior organiser in the break and say, do you realise that this is happening? Could we please remedy it? An hour later, after the morning break, where I was having some time out because there wasn't a particular breakout session I wanted to go to, I'll just say a senior person at Safe Schools came up to me and aggressively said, they're doing the best they can, be more supportive. Hello, I am a paying customer at this event. I was not presenting or anything and I'm being lectured at for giving um, feedback, which I think is my right? No. The problem we've got when that happens is what happens next. And this also brings up other issues, that if it's not pointed out on the spot and it's at a situation where there are what I call broader community people in attendance, they're going to go away with incomplete or wrong information. No one later on said, look, ladies and gentlemen, was inappropriate and non-inclusive. Was it put out in a communique afterwards? No. And it was shut down. And that, I think, is where people get frustrated. I will always give people a chance, and if they've made a mistake um, or not got something exactly right, and you contact them nicely and they go, gee, thanks. They go, thanks for that. I've got it right from now on. That's fantastic. The same as if someone inaccurately uses someone's pronoun once, you correct them, and it never happens again. Tick. Rule off. Done. Cool. And that's a real problem because... There's been other examples of erasure. I found it sad that at the Mind Out Mental Health Conference in the middle of 2014, erasure, um, I was at a, I'll say an aged care roundtable, not a conference, um, a sort of policy development thing, where there was people from the broader community there. I was on a panel and an older lesbian made some highly transphobic remarks about trans women in women's spaces. I'm sitting a metre from this person. I went to the organisers. Nothing has happened in terms of the organisation who ran that roundtable since. 
Um, at a meeting I was at, I'll call it a recurring meeting, there was talk about um, renaming the relevant unit of um, involved. And a 50-plus person said, well, older people don't understand bi-trans and intersex. Well, there are older bi-trans and intersex people for starters, but that's a generalisation. Lots of older people do. And then it leaves out younger people. And then, again, a public one. Last year's LBQ Women's Conference, where during a presentation, and this is only the context, by Ruth McNair, she mentioned some of the labels under what we call the bi-umbrella, and there was outright laughter in the room, including, to my knowledge, from the MC of the event. Now, I've done MCing, and um, still do it. At a community event, it's about creating a safe space for the MC to not only laugh but then not do anything about it was a fail. And the organ, main organiser sitting at the table up the front claiming to be a GLBTI-friendly event had no idea. I'd point out that a few days after that conference, I had a meeting with two people, not the main organisers, from one of the organising organisations and brought this issue up. About, and the meeting was about bisexuality. They looked at me as if I was talking another language. And the problem we've got is when these organisations keep screwing up, we've got a problem. And, you know, what happened this week? Yet again, erasure. I was at a presentation which was, we'll say, some uh, ideas for advanced training in LGBTI. And there were slides on heteronormativity and heterosexism, cisgenderism and um, transphobia, but nothing on monosexism and biphobia. It was lumped in with the heteronormativity how many times can this go on? And I find it worrying that people don't learn. And there's other so-called LGBTI organisations doing training who do get it wrong on bi and trans, and I've had feedback from people who have attended their training that there's been outright derision of bi to sex and trans, and the cis-gay and cis-lesbian people presenting have no idea, or maybe are even part of it. The problem that creates is when bi and trans people then try to talk to other organisations who have had the training or individuals, they go, oh, we had such and such come in, well, they, they told us everything. So it's undoing the good work. Some people might say, well, isn't that great for, for me who goes out and, and educates? I'd rather not fix up other people's mistakes. I'd rather we get it right in the first place. The last thing I want to say is that some people might say, well, isn't the Christian lobby and the right wing of the coalition a bigger problem? It's a very big problem, yes, but this still has to come up. And that... Um, you know, this, is, this problem is out there. People, as I say, they hear it from a, sort of a so-called authoritative organisation, they're going to believe it. I don't think my, I think a lot of people are aware that the Australian Christian Lobby's views are somewhat inaccurate, in our opinion, and we'll understand that. So it's a concern. And the problem is we've got people speaking for other people in a way that involves them not aware of their privilege. Last year, I was on a panel for... Um, call Are We Over the Rainbow Yet? And a cisgender gay man said, we will do marriage first and we will do other things later. Uh, sorry, who's we? Who's speaking for whom? Is everything else other? No. I don't know what the answer is. This is the real problem. This is why I've decided to bring this up today in the, most, in the best way possible. I hope that by waiting five days since what I had happened, I've been able to do it as calmly as possible. I have a saying for myself, how do you communicate with people who won't communicate, people who won't listen? I don't have the answers here. 
I'm putting this out there today because we've got to have this discussion. I'll also add in in some of the organisations who I have concerns about. Um, When I I sat in a meeting with the chair of one of those organisations, another roundtable a couple of months ago, this so-called LGBTI organisation, the chair kept using gay and lesbian, gay and lesbian. So you can't even go higher up, which would be a logical response. I'm open to suggestions and we have to work this out and it has to be made clear that this sort of privilege has to stop, that people don't speak for other people and more to the point, if you want to make your organisation inclusive of groups like bi and trans, get bi and trans people involved and yes, whether you call this a conflict or of interest or not, pay us for our unique expertise, don't just exploit us as volunteers and say, oh, we'll give you a sandwich for lunch. Sorry, not good enough. Have your suggestions out of the pan, 855 at gmail.com. Text 61401078981. Facebook, my page, or out of the pans, or um, tweet at Sal Gold said so. In the meantime, because Ringo Starr is such a good man, um, I'm going to play him doing lead vocals on um, a track from the Beatles live at the BBC. I always love this one. Honey Don't, 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au. Out of the pan with Sally. Do you want to dig down into the dirt and find out what's going on in the activist community? Are you concerned about environmental and social justice? Friends of the Earth has a new radio show, Dirt Radio, Mondays, 10.30 on 3CR. Join us to dig the dirt. If People Powered Radio exhibition is on now... Get along to Gertrude Contemporary Gallery and enjoy this exciting collaboration. The exhibition features recordings, technological hardware, photos, ephemera and newly commissioned artworks by local artists which frame and interpret the station's history of radical broadcasting. A series of live broadcasts are happening every Friday in April direct from the exhibition space, talking sovereignty, troublemaking and music. Come and explore the politics of broadcasting, the experience of community and the station's radical history with Gertrude Contemporary Gallery and Art Space. 200 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, open Tuesdays to Saturdays from 11am. Exhibition finishes April 23rd. For more information, visit 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot au out of the pan with Sally. Just heard from the Beatles from the live at the BBC double disc set, which including various interviews has sixty nine tracks on it. That's what you got to call good value for the money. Got it yesterday. I won't give just to be play safe and not do cash for comments. But there was um, record store day on yesterday. What a good idea! Um, whether you call it record or CD or whatever you want to call it, I went and bought it there. Um, there should be more of that. Let's have bookstore day too, too, too soon. I know it's convenient to have these Kindle-type books and etc. I just sometimes think you don't feel like you really own something or you miss the experience of browsing. There we go. Literary Sally. All right. Things that are coming up. That was yesterday. Let's um, go. Let's go look to the future in my best um, doc voice. Um, alphabet Soup comes up at um, Danbar, 113 High Street, on the third Tuesday of every month. 
Um, the Seahorse Cafe Night is on this Wednesday. Bet TV, as always, on Friday night. Um, provocation for the Kingsters is also on at Friday night. Um, check the website for location details. And the Trans Anxiety Group will be on the fourth Saturday of the month. Yes, it's one of those wacky four, Saturday, four five Saturday in a month months. So fourth, not last um, as well. But then definitely the fourth and last Sunday. Next Sunday, the 24th, the Polyvic Social at um, um, now at the Terminus. Sort of a bit full circle. It's where it all started. Um, could be a Jeff Healy song in that. All right. So, um, yeah, lots happening during the week. Um, I've got to say, in the last couple of weeks, I've been out and about everywhere um, for, with my Transgender Victoria hat on doing training. And gosh, we're, you know, I've got to admit, when we started, it seemed maybe we were doing things in, well, one could be cynical and say the latte belt. Um, in the last four weeks, um, had a session in Hamilton to the west of Victoria. Um, a full day, um, then out to a multicultural service in the northwestern suburbs for half a day, a uniting care religious service in the inner west for half a day, down to Frankston to a retirement village for another day, talking to a student union the next day. People are interested, and I know there's a worry at the moment. You know, everyone's worried about the Christian lobby. Um, there's lots of people out there who care. Did another session in another outer southeastern suburbs location this week. And it is really pleasing to see this interest and also spoke with a TAFE class who were really great as well. Um, total Q&A. Um, I think generally speaking, younger generations have a good handle on LGBTI and sometimes it's the specifics. Um, but a lot of workers, um, particularly doing training in aged care, maybe where they haven't been as familiar with it, it's really um, getting out there. Particularly, I think, for trans, as much as I can speak for it, although I can't, I'm not intersex, just giving that definition so that people understand what it really is and what it isn't is still needed. And then, you know, obviously people can go off and look at websites like Organisation Intersex International and um, also um, AISSGA and others and go, ah, there's more information there. So all achievable. Um, so... I just want to say to people, I know it seems a bit grim at the moment with what's happened with safe schools. I also think there are more allies for trans and intersex than there were a few years ago. And I think that's creating a great buffer um, in terms of us moving forward. I forgot to say also at the start of the show, apologies for a technical hitch that stopped last week's show going to air. Um, we'll have that show in uh, about in two weeks' time. Um, instead, a chat my Julie Peters and myself had down at Seven Sisters Festival last month. All right, I'd better get out of here and make way for the fab crew from Freedom of Species, um, talking all things animal advocacy and stuff. Take it out today with that other big ally um, who didn't have a concert in North Carolina, Bruce Springsteen, a man who in the 80s and 90s knocked back a $12 million deal from a motor car company to use one of his songs in an ad and said, no, I will never have my songs used in adverts. Good on your boss. You aren't the boss for nothing. And here's a track that I think is pretty appropriate for the GLBTI community um, from Born in the USA. No retreat, baby. No surrender. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you all next week.